all that cute stuff. Open up your mouth and give the one that rescued us a praise in this room. Hallelujah! Deem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. I am living in the peace now. What a great redeemer. The Bible says, if you've been redeemed, you ought to say so. If you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy, you ought to make some noise. And we don't come in here to have quiet church, but we serve a God that made a lot of noise over us by sending his one and only son. And therefore, we respond back to him with adoration and respond back to him with praise and respond back to him, giving him the glory. Well, it's good to be here. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know if you're glad. I don't know what kind of emotions you have coming into church today, but um, it's good to see y'all. Look at somebody. You don't know who needs this. Just say, I'm happy to see you today. Come on. Don't y'all get quiet. Look at somebody else. Just say, I'm happy to see you. Look at somebody you didn't come with, and I'm happy to see you. Welcome to all of our first-time visitors. Uh, if you're here for the first time, I just want to see your hand again. If you could just wave your hand, wave your hand. Amen, amen, amen. Good to see y'all. Good to see y'all. I see you, my brother. You was in first service, too. I see you. Uh, it's, good to be, um, it's good to be here gathered with the body of Christ. Let me take this opportunity to thank, um, thank all of our first-time visitors for being here. Uh, we are a church that believes we exist to join Jesus and his his mission to redeem our city. And uh, there's a lot that goes into that that we're going to talk about today. But nevertheless, uh, it makes a lot of, um, it makes us, our hearts really glad knowing that you decided to come here today. You did not have to come here. There's a lot of churches that you passed to come hang out with us today. And I have no clue how you heard about us, but I, I pray that you would leave here and say, I was loved and I heard about Jesus today. That, that, that's our goal. Uh, we, don't, we don't believe in churches with nasty attitudes and a gospelless pulpit. But we, we, we love to love people, and we love to talk about the one that loved us. Uh, speaking of that, I'm, I'm excited to preach today. It's Vision Sunday, so it's going to be just a little, little bit different. Uh, if you've been rocking with our church for any amount of time, you'll know that we usually do um, Vision Sunday in January. But we decided to switch things up because we didn't want to waste any time. We do it usually mid-January, but we didn't want to waste any time. And so we, um, for January, we didn't want to waste any time. So we wanted to do Vision Sunday now so that we can jump into 2023 and, and honestly hit the ground running. And it's not just corporate for us, although there will be a lot that we talk about with the church. It's individualistic for you as well. I just think God's going to open up doors and do some crazy stuff. And I don't know if I'm prophesying. I just, I really do feel like God is going to do something crazy in 2023. And your joy is, is honestly will be tied to your alignment to the Lord. Can I say that again? Your joy will be tied to your alignment with the Lord. So we got to be aligned to him. And so um, I'm excited about Vision Sunday. Proverbs 29, 18 says it this way. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I typically, I, I learned this in the King James Version, which says the people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. And so we try to um, make sure that we lay before you every year annually a, a vision that is consistent with whatever the Lord is doing. So do me a favor, grab your Bibles. I will not jump into vision unless we get into the word of God. And so we'll be in the New Testament, the book of Acts. When you get to Acts, do me a favor, go to Acts chapter 19 is where we're going to hang out. Listen, I know how it is. I, I've preached before and looked around and some of y'all were dozing off. I've seen it with my, with my own eyes. Uh, and... Um, and there's some, you know, some of you still got business that you have to attend to. So you, you get on your emails or, you know, maybe 
Maybe you're on TikTok or Instagram and you just got to check who, who liked the last post you put up. Um, whatever the case may be, today I'm praying that y'all would give your boy the full 40 today. Give me, give me the, just 40 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know, but hopefully 40 minutes. And um, I ask that you guys not check out because this is so, 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 so important. In fact, if you, if you check out today and you get on TikTok, I pray that your phone gets set on loop doing the yam song. Just on, just, just on loop, on, on constant loop. I don't know if y'all know that started with Martin, man. Anyway, all right. Can I get to them? Yeah. Look at y'all. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Y'all was waiting. Yes. All right. Let's get into the word before I get in trouble. All right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be in, in Acts 19. Real quick before we jump in. Um, hey, the, the second week of January, the other thing we do every year is we usually start the year, either the first or second week, whatever makes sense. Um, we usually start with a fast every year to kind of set us, you know, last year we called it reset, kind of set, set the tone and the temperature of our year. We're doing it again this year. Somebody say January 9th, January 9th, Monday, January 9th to January 13th, which is uh, that Friday, we will be doing a fast. And if you've never fasted before, um, you're in good company today and this week and next week and the following week, because we're, we're, we're going to do it together. Fasting is a lot easier when you can do it with other brothers and sisters in Christ and lock arms. And so we have a schedule. This will all be laid out on the website in the next coming weeks, but the fast will be from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day that week. So we're asking from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You don't only shut down from, uh, from, from food unless you're, eat, unless you're taking medication or you, you have a job that's physically straining to eat something small, but I would, that's not the day to get a chopped cheese either. Just like something small, something real small. But we ask that you would um, do something that's sacrificial. We also ask that you would turn off your social media that week, uh, delete the apps if you can. Um, anybody that knows me knows I love coffee. I shut down from coffee that week, uh, which is probably harder than the food, if I'm honest with you. But um, I'm, we're asking that everybody participate. Let me give you the quick schedule for the week. Again, this will be laid out on the website. On Monday, we're going to have a 6 a.m. virtual prayer call. That, that's kind of the, the kickoff. So virtually, we will have enough room for anybody that wants to jump in virtually. And we will, um, we'll pray together, 6 a.m. And then that Tuesday, at 7 p.m., we're going to have a prayer service in this room. So if you, don't, if you don't have anything to do or if you can kind of rearrange some schedules or whatever you have to do, you know, we, we tend to pack a room for music. And, but how about let's do that for prayer? And so we're going we're gonna to come in this room at 7 p.m. on that Tuesday. And then that Wednesday, uh, the small groups are going to uh, break the fast for that day together. I'm not sure exactly what time they'll be meeting, but uh, there'll be clusters around, um, around the city where you can go and connect with other brothers and sisters to break the fast together. And then that Thursday, uh, discipleship groups are going to meet around the city. You can do that virtually. You can do that through a FaceTime. You can meet together in a coffee shop. And if you don't have discipleship connected and you're not connected to anybody in the body, um, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, you can go to the website, our growth track through discipleship, and you can, you can uh, be plugged in and partnered up with somebody through discipleship. Um, Yolanda is also here. Wave your hand, Yolanda. You can see her. Let's thank God for Yolanda. You can see Yolanda after service. She, um, her, her and her beautiful family, but she leads her, she leads our um, our discipleship. She's our discipleship director. Um, she threatened me this morning, told me to make sure I told y'all that we don't just need people to plug into discipleship, but we actually need disciple makers. 
And so if you're growing in your faith and you feel like, you know what, 2023 is a year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a disciple maker. I'm going to take a couple of people under my wings and uh, we'll do discipleship together. This is a good year to do that. And so you can also do that through the website. And if you need more information on that, you can see Yolanda. And then finally, Friday. Friday, we're going to meet together. I think upstairs. I just haven't confirmed it yet. But uh, we're going to meet upstairs and we're going to break the fast together. Nothing deep. We're going to break the fast, mean, meaning we will have food, we will pray, and we're just going to roll into a game night and just enjoy each other and enjoy um, that week of just like really shutting down. So you can turn your phones back on and all that stuff. We'll do that at 7 p.m. on Friday. Is that cool? All right. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you all are. All right. Acts chapter 19. Hey, before I jump in, I solicited your prayers, deeply solicited your prayers this week. Um, I got a call. I, I didn't seek this meeting, but I, I got a call um, this week. I, I, I'm so honored to meet with uh, New York Mayor Eric Adams. Um, and it, it's not just me. It's a, it's a group of pastors. They, they called it the next generation, the next pastor's generation meeting. I don't even know what that means, but... I'm going to be in there, and the, the agenda for the evening is for us to talk about uh, um, disparities in the black and brown community, things that, um, that might not be on uh, that, administrative, that, that administration's radar. And trust me, I got a list, y'all. He don't want me, man. I'm, I got a list. I got a list. Because I believe, I believe that we should have the same things that I see in Dumbo. Ty, you remember we, we saw a couple weeks ago, we saw Santa riding down. I was like, why we ain't got Santa in the hood? Like, you know what I'm saying? Our parks don't look as, as nice. I got to go, go to areas that have gentrified to get fresh produce. Somebody say amen. I mean, come on. So um, we're, we're going we're gonna to be talking. So this week, I don't know exactly. I think it's Wednesday, but I'm not sure of what day it is. But I just solicited your prayers that day that the Spirit of the Lord will be there. And whether you voted for that administration or not, honestly, it doesn't matter. We're, we're a church that believes in city renewal. And so there's two things that we are obligated to do. Number one, pray for elected officials. Number two, we are obligated to make sure that we are partnering to see city renewal. Amen. And we can't make real change unless we got a seat in the room. So pray for me. All right, let's get into it. I'm not going to read and then pray because it's just a lot in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, we approach your word with reverence and complete awe of you. We thank you for your infallible word that doesn't have errors and it doesn't, doesn't have contradictions. It doesn't, doesn't miss the mark, but it's true. It's reliable. It's, it's infallible. It's... It's sufficient. It's reliable. So, Father, today we submit ourselves under the authority of your word today. I pray that you would speak to us through what you've already spoken in your word. May I add nothing to this text. May I take nothing away from this story. But I pray, oh God, that it lands on our hearts and transforms us. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Vision Sunday. Hey, listen, uh, when I first sensed a calling to plant uh, this church here in Brooklyn, Ty and I first sensed that calling. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I was running f- from the actual idea of planting a church, and there was a few reasons, but I think the main reason why I just didn't feel confident um, was because of what I saw around me. When I looked at the Western church in this part of the world, I, I, just, I was baffled by some of the stuff that, I, that seemed normal, and I just did not want to plant a church that looked like the culture that I saw around me. I think what helped me and what landed, what crystallized this idea of planting a church, honestly, was Acts chapter 19. 
This passage has been, has been rocking with me for a long time now, since we first tried to start the church. When we, when we felt called at that time, um, church became a place, I don't know how else to say this, but quote unquote, where you just do church. And you know, it, it showed up in our language. Our language, we'd be like, girl, we had church today. Well, what does that actually mean? You know, we had church. Oftentimes we're talking about like an emotional experience that we had at church, but what, what was their theological depth? Was their foundation? Was the gospel preached? Was Jesus proclaimed? And oftentimes I was frustrated because I didn't see that. At that time, I also became frustrated because I feel like churches promoted institutional traditions over scriptures. And now I'm not saying Epiphany Church was planted as a contradiction to what we saw. We planted Epiphany Church because we felt like God called us. But I'll be honest, the structure of the church, the bones of the church. I remember sitting in a coffee shop in Philadelphia going, Lord, it's no way we're going to start a church if it's going to look like what I see around me. Because oftentimes at that time, what I saw was church became more cultish than Christian. And I was frustrated and I was, I was aggravated. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of faithful churches. You ain't got to go far. You ain't got to jump on, on YouTube to find them. There's a lot of faithful churches right here in this neighborhood. And oftentimes we don't go to those churches because they're not our artistic expression. Right. So we'd be like, oh, that's not faithful. You know, but it, I bet you I bet you if you dig underneath, there was there's a, a history of faithfulness. But I, I long to see us plant a church that was just different. And I didn't know what that meant by different, but I knew I did not want to start a church that looked like what I saw around me. I wanted to start a church by what, by what I saw in the scriptures. What did the New Testament church look like? Now, let's be honest. That's a bit messy, y'all. Corinth was messy. But when I look in Acts chapter 19, I'm overwhelmed and encouraged, and I'm going, that's what I want to see in Brooklyn. That's what I want to see with a church. In Acts chapter 19, we get led in on the birthing of the church at Ephesus. Somebody say Ephesus. Now, now Ephesus is, is a church that the Spirit moved through from the very beginning. In fact, I'll say out of all the churches you have in the New Testament, the church at Rome, Corinth, uh, uh, all the churches, you, you can look and see that Ephesus has the most information out of all the churches. What do I mean by that? You have the birthing of the church in Acts chapter 19. This is the, I mean, literally read the inscription says Paul in Ephesus. And you get to see all of these weird things that are happening and God used them to help grow the church. But I think the other thing that you see with the church at Ephesus and why they should succeed is because the two elders in the church was Timothy and John. Now, if they're on your team, can we agree that's a great squad? Yeah, Timothy and John, they're pastors in the church, in the church at Ephesus. We also get the letter to the Ephesians church, which is the church at Ephesus. You get that from Paul. We also get a letter that Jesus wrote. Remember the seven letters to the seven churches in, in Revelations? It's the first church that he wrote to in, Ephesians, in, in Revelations chapter 2. He wrote to the church at Ephesus. And so we have so, if any church was built to succeed... It's the church of Ephesus. And here's why your boy was encouraged sitting in a coffee shop going, I think we can do this. If we could just model some of the stuff that we see in the birthing of the church at Ephesus. And today, I believe that as we talk about vision and as we look back at 2022 and as we talk about 2023, I believe that the foundation should be here in Acts chapter 19. Pick me back up in verse number eight or pick me up in verse number eight. Look at what it says here. Now, this is Paul. Remember, the inscription said Paul in Ephesus. So this is Paul here. And he, meaning Paul, entered the synagogue, verse 8, y'all, entered the synagogue for three months, spoke boldly, 
reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him. And they reasoned daily. Somebody say this in the hall of Tyrannus. Say the hall of Tyrannus. Listen, it's so important that y'all know what the Hall of Tyrannus is. So please put your finger there, put a mark there, because that's going to become very important. Verse 10, this continued for two years so that all of the residents in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. I literally highlighted this and wrote a line out to the margin and wrote amazing because what you see Paul doing is actually consistent with how Paul normally operated when he went into a town that he wanted to see the gospel flourish. The first thing he did in Acts chapter 19 was go to the synagogue. If you back that thing up to Acts chapter 17, he does the same thing. He enters into Thessalonica and what does he do? He goes to the synagogue first. I don't know what verse, but I feel like it's verse three. He goes to the synagogue first. And then the second thing he does in Acts chapter number 17, he goes to the Areopagus, which is not Jewish territory, it's Gentile territory. He does it again here. He gets to Ephesus and the Bible says that he goes to the synagogue and then he goes to the hall of Tyrannus. First, let's just deal with the synagogue because the synagogue is where all of the Jews would have hung out. Not just the Jews. I don't want you to miss this, but this is where the religious elite hung out. This is where the people that understood, that thought they understood the Old, Old Testament, the Tanakh. This is, this is where the people sat in there and was waiting for a Messiah. Paul shows up in the synagogue and he says, the Messiah, is, he's come. You're, you're waiting for something that has already arrived. And the Bible says that these men and women in the synagogue were stubborn and that they continued in unbelief. And all Paul is trying to do is help them to connect the Old Testament to the New Testament. Let me say it differently. All he's trying to do, Andre, is connect the Old Testament to Jesus. And let me help us, Epiphany Church. If we come in here and don't read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus Christ, we've missed it. He's the key that unlocks the door all the time. And so he goes in the synagogue and he goes, yo, yo, y'all waiting for this Messiah? He's already come. Y'all are waiting for the one that the government is sitting on his shoulders? He's already come. Y'all are waiting for the savior and the sustainer of the world? He's already come. Y'all are waiting for the one that will redeem and restore us back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? He's already come. And the Bible says that they were stubborn. That they they refused to believe that this message is true. This is what Christmas is all about, y'all. Christmas is all about the fact that God sat in heaven, got up off his throne, wrapped himself in flesh, and dwelt among us, John chapter 1. That is what Christmas is about, that Jesus has already come. Somebody say he's already come. We ain't got to look for another because he's already came. And he was sufficient in the work that he did. And so Paul is trying to get the religious ones to submit to Jesus, not religion. Y'all should have took that note. Let me say that again. Paul is trying to get the religious ones to submit to Jesus, not religion. And let me warn us, Epiphany Church, because the, the, the pendulum can easily swing from us talking about Jesus and worshiping Jesus to having Christianese and church lingo and religious activity. But God did not come and save us so that we could be more religious. He saved us so we can be more Christ-like. So what he's doing right now is he's, he's trying to help the Jews, the, the religious ones, the, the, the ones that believed that they had, they knew, the, they knew the Old Testament. He's trying to get them to understand, now there's a piece you're missing, and it is Jesus Christ. Listen, I believe that in 2023, 
the task of this specific local church is not just to reach the unchurched. Our goal is not just to reach the de-churched. Our goal is not just to reach the anti-churched. Our goal this year is to reach them and the over-churched. Because I believe that, yes, God wants to save the prostitute, but you better believe he wants to save the pastor that don't know him. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all think I came to play today. You, 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 you think that God just wants to save the drug addict, but there's a lot of deacons that don't know him. And what Jesus wants from our church in 2023 is not just to sit up here and be like, oh, the, the drug addict is coming in. No, the person that's been sitting in, in, in church all their life but don't know the gospel, God wants to do a work in their life as well. The religious ones. I think one of the most, the biggest hindrances to people giving their life to the Lord is because of religion. We've, we've tacked on things as though God was too loose with the gospel. We, we've tacked on things and we say, well, hey, to be saved, you got to, yeah, you got to believe in Jesus, but you better do this too. And church attendance doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. And then after I'm saved, I want to be a part of his body. I want to be a part. You know, when we first started the church, we used to, it wasn't a joke, but we used to be like, man, I can't wait till God sends in the prodigal son. Y'all remember Luke 15, the Bible says that the prodigal son wandered off and he, he spent all his money on prostitutes. And we were like, man, we want the person that's far off. And then we got in here and God saved him and the older brother. Y'all remember the older brother in the passage? The Bible says that the older brother stayed. The, the, the younger brother left and he was the prodigal, but the old, older brother stayed and there was a sense of religiosity he had because he stayed. There was a sense of entitlement he had because he stayed. And our church became really, 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 really good at not just reaching the person that's all the way out there, but the person that's seemingly close. The, 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 the one that's grew up in church. The one that memorized scripture, the one that can quote, the one that knows how to lift their hands and they know how to dance and they know how to jump in and, and the gifted ones and the ones that sing. And sometimes we can let all that fool us. You don't know who Jesus is. You don't know who he is, my savior, my Lord. So this, this year, I believe that God didn't just want us in the hall of Tyrannus. I believe he wants us in the synagogue. What does that mean? The religious elite, those that think they know God wants us there. And so, yeah, the one that's steeped on drugs, drugs far out there on addictions, yes, but also the one that seemingly is close. Here, here's what John 16 says. John 16, verse 8 says, when he, meaning the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin. Somebody say sin. And self-righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. See, we think the Holy Spirit's work in our life is only to purge us of sin. But the Holy Spirit's job is not just to purge you of sin, but purge you of your own self-righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit this year has to work on the dysfunction I have, but also the functional dysfunction I have. He has to work, he has to work on those things that are deeply rooted in religion and Christianese and Christendoms. And God is like, I want to do a work there. So the first place he goes in Acts 17, he does it again in Acts 19, is he goes to the synagogue. The second place he goes, and I told you to underline it, in verse number nine, it says, but then he became they, they became stubborn in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregations. But he withdrew and took the disciples with him and reasoned daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Now, the hall of Tyrannus is not where the Jews hung out. The synagogue is where the Jews were. But you know who's in the hall of Tyrannus? The dudes in the street, the Greeks and the, 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 the ones that are far, really far off from the Lord. Those are the ones that are in the hall of Tyrannus. And I'm so amazed because I saw something this week that really is contextualized to our church. What do I mean? For Paul to spend two years preaching the gospel in the hall of Tyrannus, you have to understand what the hall of Tyrannus was. 
Now, Tyrannus himself was not, a, was not a believer. He was a businessman. And what he would do is he would rent out a lecture hall. And so anybody, anybody, no matter if you had the money, you can get a stage and you could preach. So it would be traveling philosophers, it would be poets, it would be teachers of other religions, and they would all have their money, pay their rent, and then they would get time to speak on whatever they wanted to speak on. Watch what Paul does. Paul has enough resources that he rents out the hall of Tyrannus for two years. So that means you, because I know, I know what you're thinking. Some of y'all going, you know, like, praise God for the building, but why couldn't we be like the Acts 2 church? We just, you know, get it in in each other's homes and that be the church. Yes and amen. That's what small groups are for. But you better believe Acts 19, they ain't sitting in homes. They're sitting in the hall of Tyrannus, a rented out space. Look around this room. This is our hall of Tyrannus. And what is so amazing to me about the hall of Tyrannus is that they had the money to do it. They're not delinquent. They're not late. The scripture didn't say they got kicked out. No, quite the opposite. They were there for two years to the point where all of the residents in Asia heard the word. That means the gospel was flourishing. In fact, there's an, there's an inscription at the bottom. If you have an ESV Bible, here's what mine says. It says, uh, it's a number four next to it. And it says, some manuscripts add from the fifth hour to the tenth hour, meaning at our time that translates to 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So Paul would have rented out this space from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And all he did was preach the gospel all day long. And people got saved and marriages got restored and people gave their life to the Lord. Why? Because they didn't sit in house homes all day, but they actually got in Greek territory, preached the gospel, and people got saved. That, that's the goal of this building. That, that's the goal of this. That's why we're here. We're here because we want to see people meet Jesus fall in love with him, get into community, grow through discipleship, grow in your understanding of the gospel, become leaders, become deacons, become elders, go out and compel other people about the very gospel that saved you. That's why we're here, y'all. I don't want us to get it twisted because we was up in here last week and some people were rejoicing simply over plaster and paint. Well, some parts are painted, but we were rejoicing over plaster and paint and walls. But there's a group of us that rejoice because we realize that this is the place that we become a pipeline, not a puddle. Yeah. I refuse for Epiphany Church to be a puddle. You know, puddles hold stale water. A puddle just, the water just sits there. And our measurement and metric of success at Epiphany Church is not for you to come in here and fill a seat, but it's for you to come in here, get this gospel, worship Jesus, enjoy your brothers and sisters, and get back out there on mission. Which is why we end the church, every, every service we end with John 20, 21. What is John 20, 21? Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then we say, you are sent. Why do we say that? Because we understand that the church grows not simply by coming in a building, but getting out of the building and getting on mission. Some of y'all ain't shared the gospel all year long. You ain't talked about Jesus. The one that has redeemed you. Do you hear Diana? She said, my sin was heavy. The rescuer took it away. How am I not overwhelmed and compelled with that message to tell everybody about it? I want to tell everybody, I want to tell everybody in the, in the salon, in the barbershop. I want to tell everybody in the coffee shop. I want to tell all my friends, when I gather for Christmas, we're going to open up them presents, but we're going to talk about the gift of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has redeemed me, and therefore I want to see others redeemed. So here it is. He goes to the synagogue, and he says, man, let me talk to you all about the gospel. 
They reject it. He says, cool, I'm going to go to the Hall of Tyranus. We're going to rent it out. I don't know how much they paid, but they had the money to pay. Then he shared the gospel over and over and over again. And mission continued. Lives were transformed. The gospel flourished. Community was strengthened. Why? Because they rented out a space. Okay, so what happened when they did that? Here's my prayer for not just Brooklyn, mm -mm, for all of New York. Here's my prayer, verse 10. And they continued for two years that all of the residents heard the word. Can you imagine if everybody in New York heard the word because we were all on mission? Imagine that. There's 2.6 million people that live in Brooklyn. There is 9 million people that live in the five boroughs. By the way, if all 9 million people gave their life to the Lord and came to church, y'all know we could have 100 services and not fit them, which means that Epiphany Church isn't the answer to the problems in our city, the kingdom of God is the answer. And so the kingdom of God has a, has, has a church called Epiphany, but we're not the end-all, be-all. This is why I said there's some faithful churches around here. And we got to make sure that the gospel is flourishing. And how do we do that? By making sure every resident, this, I mean, I'm not making this up, y'all. It's in y'all Bible. All the residents of Asia heard the word. You know, on, on Bedford, there's a, there's a mosque on Bedford and, and Fulton. Y'all ever walk by the mosque one of those times a day where they put them speakers on? Y'all heard that before? And they blast over the loudspeakers a, a, a prayer. And they, they blast it three times a day because that's, that's what they do. And you know, I was reading, I, I was looking at that. I was going, oh, that'd be dope if we did that. What if we just put out a speaker outside, put out a screen outside, and we just pipe the gospel out over and over again? But then I came to the conclusion, you know what? We don't need a speaker. You are the speaker. You're the speakers. And so you got to go out of here and you got to compel other people to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, I'm going to the synagogue. I got to move quicker here. And then he says, I'm going to the hall of Tyrannus where the Greeks hung out and I'm going to share my faith there. The gospel flourished and the church began to grow. Watch the miracles that happen here. I'm just going to read some of this, y'all. Verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. This is the first TBN right here in verse 11. Watch, jump down to verse 18. Verse 18, also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. A number of those who practiced magic and arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver so that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Understand what's happening. Miracles is happening because the church at Ephesus is growing. And then the Bible says that people in Ephesus were practicing sorcery and magic, and Paul was on his job, and the church was on their job, that the gospel was flourishing so much that the Bible says that the people that practice sorcery and magic begin to open up the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and then burn their sorcery books. Can you imagine that? What if people that have evil practices begin to divulge those practices because they came in here and said, this Jesus, I want to give my life to him. This is why I say this is not hyperbole. God can do this through Epiphany Church. And how does he do that if we're all taking serious Acts chapter 19? God can actually do the work. And so the Bible says that all these people brought their books. Do you realize that 50,000 pieces of silver is 137 years worth of wages. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of books, y'all. 
It's a whole lot of books for people to bring and burn and, de and, 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 and denounce the very sorcery that they were a part of. But it continues. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, Now after these events, Paul resolved in his spirit to pass through to Macedonia and Achaia and Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must go to Rome. But having sent into, but having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Aristus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while, so he stayed where he was. About that time, there arose no little dispute or disturbance concerning the way for a man named Demetrius. Watch, so y'all got to pay attention to Demetrius. What is Demetrius' occupation? A silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis. Pause there for a second. Artemis is the main worship in Ephesus before the gospel hit. They were all uh, worshiping Artemis. In fact, if you Google the, the seven ancient uh, wonders of the world, the temple of Artemis would come up because everybody in, in, in all of Ephesus would have worshiped this goddess by the name of Artemis. And so this guy named Demetrius, all he does is makes silver shrines. He makes these little gods for people to take home so that they can worship. By the way, if you make God, can we agree he and a God? Like if I can make him, I, put, I can put him on my shelf, then he's not really... He's not really a god. So the Bible says that this Demetrius, a silversmith who made uh, silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. He gathered together with the workmen in similar businesses that have wealth. And, you, and he, this is what he said to them. You see it here that not only in Ephesus, but in all, almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that gods made with hands are not gods. I can't believe they're really confused on that. Verse 27, and, the, and there is danger not only in this trade of ours that it may come to dispute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be disposed from her magnificence. She whom all of Asia and the world worship. And when they heard this, these, uh, they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion. Pa pause there for a second. I just want you to pay attention to what's happening. The church is growing at such a rate and people are giving their lives to the Lord in such a way that evil businesses that created these shrines were not able to do it anymore. Because all of the people that subscribed and were customers to this business no longer bought shrines because they now gave their life to the Lord. So in other words, the church controlled the economics of the city. Don't, don't miss this. It was the church that said who's going to be paid and who's not going to be paid. Why? Because evil businesses came crashing down simply because the church was on mission. Can you imagine that? What if all the evil businesses in the area begin to close because everybody that was going to the, let me, let me try to contextualize this. What if strip clubs started to close because people that were going to put $20 in a G string are now giving their life to the Lord and submitting going, I'm giving in the life now, I'm coming in the life. Can you imagine that? What if that, that is not hyperbole, this can actually happen. I asked Ty, could I look up strip clubs? And so she gave me the okay. So here it is. Seven strip clubs that I prayed this week that God would shut down. Club Lust. Shut it down, Lord. Pumps Bar. Somebody say, shut it down, Lord. The Playpen. Somebody say, shut it down, Lord. The Artful Bachelorette. Somebody say, shut it down, Lord. This one's a little confusing. The Slippery Room. I don't know what that means, but shut it down, Lord. 
Foxy Gentlemen's Club. Somebody say, shut it down, Lord. And I know what y'all ladies doing. Y'all going, uh, these men so perverted. Here's a, one for the women. Hunkamania. <laughs> Somebody say, shut it down, Lord. You know that there are places that you could go in Brooklyn and have sex with a random person that you don't know. Did you, did you know that? That that's actually a thing that people go and they just, they just want to have sex. They don't want no strings attached. They don't want to know the person. Do you know how perverted that is? Right around the corner, they opened up a, a sex shop. Shut it down, Lord. And I'm not joking about this. I think that God can take customers and turn them into Christians. That's my prayer. That's the goal. That's, that's the agenda. So here, here's the question. I'm, I got to move and we're gonna, I'm going to put you guys on the screen so I can um, kind of end my time by giving you the vision. Um, here's the question we have to answer. What message did Paul preach that caused riots to take place? Read the rest of the, the, the chapter when you get home. Verse number 40 says, we are really in danger of, be, of, of, of being charged with rioting today. The whole city was in an uproar. What message did Paul preach that caused evil businesses to close? What message did Paul preach that caused people from going and saying, great is Artemis to great is our God? What message did Paul preach that caused everybody to bring their sorcery books and burn them in the middle of town? What message did Paul preach? And I didn't actually read this one that had people trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus of whom they did not know. Here's the message that he preached, that there is a God that is holy and that is righteous. You know, God convicted me because I feel like every time I... I share the gospel. I always start with sin. God is like, you got to start with me. Why are you starting in Genesis 3 when you need to start in Genesis 1? Here's the gospel that there is a God and he is holy and he is just and he is kind. But don't get it twisted. His holiness means you can't just do whatever you want to do. And so what God has to do is God needed to create a rescue plan for us. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to absorb the very sin that you and I have committed. And I'm not talking behavior, but some of it is just inherited sin. And Jesus goes and absorbs it so that you and I can stand and have liberty even though we're guilty. We can have freedom even though we actually did do it. But God sees us and sees holiness and sees righteousness. He sees what's on him, not because of us, but because of Jesus' holiness being imputed to us. That's the message that Paul preached. In fact, Paul says stuff in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everybody that believes. That is the message that Paul preached. And y'all should praise God for this. Do y'all realize this is the last Sunday of the year and there has not been a Sunday that you came in here and the gospel wasn't preached? Like, that... And not just by me, anybody that has ever preached in this pulpit has preached the gospel. And why does that encourage me? Because there are places that you can go in there. It's gospelless. And I'm grateful to go to a church with a gospel. I need to be reminded of it consistently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition here. This is not my normal flow. Normally, I'm praying and we bring the worship team up or altar call. But I have to lay before you some vision that we have for 2023. Look back at 2022 with some areas that we missed. And I really need y'all just, just, if y'all, can y'all give me 15 more minutes? All right, 15 more minutes. All right, Vision Sunday. Pay attention to the screens. That's kind of where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to land. Our mission statement is still the, the same. We exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. Again, at least in this city, there's 2.6 million people. We want to see them all saved. Not just come to Epiphany Church, but kingdom to see them plugged into a local church. That's a, that mission never, never changes. All right. All right, our staff. Staff is still the same at this point. Well, we are, 
uh, prayerfully uh, making some additions to the staff. But right now, Gabe is still the operations manager. Here's Gabe and Keisha and Elia. Hey, man, let's thank God for Gabe, y'all. All right, next. All right, here's Ed, uh, the Peralta family. Let's thank God for Ed. Ed is our tech director. Uh, that's my beautiful family. This, uh, Ty is on staff. Next, uh, next, next point. All right, Yolanda, this is her beautiful family. Yolanda is our discipleship director. All right, here's Valerie. Chris and Valerie just had a baby, y'all. And they sent me some pictures two nights ago, and she is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But uh, Valerie uh, does all of our admin work here at the church. All right, let's get into some vision. Highlights of 2022. Here's some things that we feel like we did well in. All right, we restored our small groups, nine small groups around the city uh, and in New Jersey. 167 people were participated in our small groups. Let's thank God for that, y'all. I'm telling y'all, that's more people in small group than we had pre-pandemic. And so people are hungry for a community. All right, next. All right, we got back on mission through outreach. Uh, we hosted a Thanksgiving outreach. We gave away 200 sandwiches uh, sponsored by Chick-fil-A. We also partnered with other local businesses, including Electric Smoothie, owned by Brittany. Is Brittany in here? Is she here? She sneak out. And man, Brittany, Brittany pulled up on this. She is. Y'all give some love for Brittany. Y'all, I love Brittany, y'all. And she's so cool the way she walked in, like, boom. But Brittany pulled out the truck, and we gave away smoothies and coffee and gave away sandwiches. Now, I'll be honest, this is an area of opportunity for us. We did not do well in outreach last year. And there's a few reasons that I can give for that, but for the most part, I want us to do much, much, much better in outreach. I believe that the church should not just be sitting inside the building, but I believe that we should be out and making real impact. And so there's some stuff we're going we're gonna, to um, really roll out, really first, first quarter of next year, but uh, outreach is an area that we have to do better in. All right. All right, we renovated and moved downstairs. We did that last week, opened up more seats. Come on, let's thank God for that. All right, attendance growth. Let me talk to you guys about how the church grew in 2022. In the first quarter, we averaged 249 people. Uh, as of now, fourth quarter, we are slated to average 358 people. Notice that that is a 44% growth since when we started the church, started uh, meeting back together at the top of this year. Now, what does that mean? The reason we moved, it is so much more financially feasible if we just stayed upstairs and, and kind of changed some things around upstairs. But we were like, man, we are so uh, hindered in growth by being upstairs. It felt like we were a, a, a plant that was trying to grow, but we were in a small little pot. And so we opened up more seats, and by God's grace, God is, God is sending people and filling seats. And so 44% growth, that's the reason why we had to move downstairs to uh, make good on what God is doing. We have 14 baptisms. Let me just say this. My, my prayer is that that would quadruple. I'm serious, that we would have so many people getting saved. My prayer is that we would run out of water. That, God, that Gabe would call me and be like, hey, man, we just ain't got no, we ain't got no more water. <laughs> that would be crazy, right? But that's my prayer is that so many people are giving their life to the Lord and being baptized. All right, 62 new members that have gone through Covenant Community class. This is also an area of opportunity. If I could, if I could just pause here for a second. There are some people that, some people are waiting for the next class, but then there are some people that are just satisfied being an attender of the church. 
But I believe that God does want you to commit in a deeper way in 2023 um, because the church should be the place that you're known and, 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 you, and you know. That, that's what the church should be. And the way that happens is by us really connecting through membership. And so uh, more, more to come on that. Kids average. We average uh, 16 kids weekly upstairs. Can we thank God for our children's ministry? This is another area that we have to do better in. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I think we need more volunteers upstairs. And shout out to, to, to Chris and Michelle that, that run our children's ministry. But we also have to beautify the place. Because, you know, it, it's safe, but it, it just, I want it to be more attractional for, for kids. It, I refuse to let Sesame Place look better than the church. I'm serious. I'm so serious. And so uh, we need to do better with, um, with the layout of the space. We still have some construction that we're start, still trying to manage, but um, this is an area that we will be investing in next year. All right. Y'all good, y'all? You good? All right. All right, 2022 God Seekers class, uh, man, shout out to Yolanda. Let's give Yolanda some love, y'all. These God Seeker classes are four weeks long, uh, six weeks long, and she, she did four of them this year. And so here's the numbers. The winter class, 27 people were a part of that. The spring class, 23 people were a part of that. Uh, the summer class, 25 people were a part of that. And then our, our last class in the fall, 22 people were a part of that, totaling 97 people went through God Seekers. That's amazing, y'all. All right. I'm going to see that number double. All right. All right. So 2023 goals. Here, here is what my hope is for 2023, that we would make more physical room for what God is doing. Again, 44% growth means that we just need to create more space. And so I don't, I don't really know what that means. I think we're good for right now. But um, let's continue to pray about what it is that God is doing here. We need doors. We need paint. I'm tired of this dust. So we're going to take care of this in the next two weeks. But all of this is because, you know, if you go down the street, you know, to a tech company, they, they, man, they deck out the place in two weeks. But only in the church that we have to have a conservative budget to do things like this. And so I, I'm going to be challenging you guys on a little bit of this uh, in a second. All right, let's keep moving. All right, creative space. Uh, we're creating a creative space upstairs. It's not, it's not done yet, but be on the lookout for that. So 2023, what that means is, um, you know, I believe that our God is creative. Genesis 1 shows that in the beginning, God created. And so because of that, we are a part of what's called the Imago Dei, the image of God. And part of that image means that we have creativity. Now, we flesh that out differently. We all, we, we all show up the creativity in different ways, but um, I do believe that that the creative space is going to be one of the places where all of our young creatives and old creatives too, young, we can all come together and we can um, have think tanks and try to be creative and try to think of how do we present the church in an excellent way? Because I believe everything we do should be done in excellence. So we got the, we got the right minds in the room. We just got to get them in the creative. We're going to deck it out and have it look nice and all that stuff. So be on the lookout for the creative space. Leverage 2023. We're hoping that you would leverage your skills for the Great Commission. What that means is, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, we look at our skills and we bring the best of us to corporate America or the best of us to our business or the best of us to whatever it is that our skill set is, whatever God put in you. But I just believe that God wants you to, of course, kill it at work. But I also believe that there should be some time carved out in your life where you use your platform and your skills and you leverage them for the Great Commission. Amen. 
uh, my, 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 my good brother Andre is here. Wave your hand, Andre. He, he's a barber. He laced me up last night. He's nice. Brothers, y'all need to check out Andre. Go on Booksy and check out Andre. But um, we were talking last night, and he's just like, man, you know, Pastor V, let me know, you know, if you ever need me to, this ain't for y'all, by the way, if you ever need me to cut, you know, cut any hair for free, you know, for missional purposes, I'm like, that's leveraging your gifting for the kingdom, for the Great Commission. So shout out to him. All right, let's keep moving. All right, share your faith with more non-believers. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I really do believe that there's a group in this room that missed opportunities of sharing our faith, and I think God wants us to do better in 2023. So this year, I want us to be on mission. Share our faith. Let's grow the church that way. All right, effective outreaches. Again, we missed the mark on this last year. I'm going to just be honest with y'all, and I take responsibility for it. We missed the mark. We did not do enough in the community, period. And I want to change that starting first quarter of 2023. All right, so effective outreaches in 2023. All right, develop more leaders, elders, deacons, ministry leaders. We need more leaders. Uh, we, need, we need more elders. The church is growing. We need, we need more deacons. And so we're on the lookout for that. We're watching, we're praying, and and we're seeing uh, who God emerges to be in those roles and, and, and ministry leaders. But we need more of you that are in leadership capacities. And so uh, just continue doing what you're doing and prayerfully ask God, like, what is it? What's the best use of you? What's the best use of you? All right, let's move on. Uh, partner with city elected officials to make change in the neighborhood. Again, I really believe in city renewal. So we need to partner with elected officials, whether we elected them or not. We need to partner with them. So, all right, move on. Create better systems and structure for first-time visitors uh, to have clear next steps. One of the most frustrating parts to me about going anywhere new, especially a church, is when you go and you don't know. It's like double dutch. It's like, okay, how do I fit in? When do I jump in? And that's, it's frustrating. And what that does is that causes first-time visitors to just only visit once. And what we want to do is we want to create an atmosphere where whatever the need is, we have a next step. So maybe you need prayer. We have a next step. Maybe you need God seekers. We have a next step. Maybe you need community uh, in, in, in terms of membership. We have a next step. Uh, Yolanda and I are working on creating a new believers class. What, what does that mean? You know, some people don't want to hear about the hypostatic union and predestination. They want to know what sin is. Right? Like, let's get surface. We're going to create a new believers class, and maybe you gave your life to the Lord, and you're at ground zero. We want to meet you at ground zero. And so we're creating clear next steps, and shout out to our growth track it, on our website. It is the place that you can go and get real clear next steps for the church. We're trying to do better with all this stuff, y'all. This one Ty's really excited about. We're getting a new logo and uh, a new merch in 2023. And let me just say the logo is dope. It's created by uh, one, of, uh, one of our sisters here uh, in the church. And, and when I tell you it's so contextualized, I mean, the font is contextual to, to Brooklyn. Um, the, uh, the, I'm not going to give too much, but there's a crown which represents the king of kings, Jesus Christ. But I just believe if you tilt it a little bit, it gets that biggie, biggie crown a little bit. <laughs> contextualized, I'm just saying. And so uh, we got a new logo coming. And by the way, the merch ain't going to be that thin, cheap material. You feel me? You feels me? Ain't nothing worse than buying a $60 hoodie and that thing like paper. And then you wash it and it be like this. Like, nah. If I'm going to spend some dollars on it, I really want something nice. And so, again, I believe that everything the church does should be done with excellence. And so if we go down to Bed-Stuy Fly, you're going to get good quality. I want to come to Bed-Stuy Epiphany Church and get good quality. So we're going to have some merch that comes out with some cool, cool sayings on it. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to drop in March. All right. 
All right, growing generosity. I got to talk to y'all about this. Y'all just bear with me. Um, And if you're in here and you're going, oh, here we go. I knew he was going to talk about that money stuff. Um, as always, I like to say, like, seriously, no shade. Keep your money because we don't, it's, it's not about that. Um, if, if that's your disposition, it's cool. Keep it. I'm talking to people that understand that God has been generous to you. And so we then are generous to him. There's a huge area of opportunity here. So if y'all give me a little bit more time, let's move on. All right, finances. So in 2022, our year-end goal was um, a little bit over a, a, a million dollars. And so what that, what that means is, this is how our process of budgeting works. Our budget runs January to January. And what that means is, in October, the elders and our operations guy, um, uh, which, is, which is Gabe, we come together and, and we try to figure out what the budget looks like. And by the way, it is a conservative budget. Like, we have no zip line that's going to zip your kid down from upstairs and zip them into your seat. After, it's a very conservative budget. But um, as the church grows, the budget then grows, right? There's more toilet paper that's needed. There's more heat. There's more AC. There's more lights. And so um, what we do is we project what an what a, um, internal income would look like for the previous year. Now, we don't grab this number from osmosis. This little bit over a million dollars. This one, we, what we do is we look at the previous year's giving, and then we add 30%. Because 30% is a good metric for churches that are growing. And so as we talk about having 44% growth um, in the church, then that should translate to more givers. That's, I mean, that's just how my, my mind works. And so in 2022, our goal was a little bit over a million, but we will end the year having internally brought in, just from tithes and offering, 850000 What does that mean? That means we did not meet our financial goal this year. What does that further mean? That means we had to tap into the savings more than we would like to tap into the savings. What does that also mean? That means that some of us that are in the room, we can be more generous and some of us that don't give anything, I would challenge you to give something to the church. And again, it's not not just to build this local kingdom. You're giving to God. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to. When I give every month, when I give, I don't, I don't give just to Epiphany Church. I give as a sacrificial way to God. And so we did not meet our budget by 23%. That's what that number translates to. So I want to talk to you about that in a second. Let's keep moving. But here's what we did do. Here's a positive. We gave away 20, over $22,000 in mission and church planning. You should have clapped. That doesn't mean I don't. That's, that's pretty dope. And trust me, a piece of me was going, man, we got to stop giving this money away because we need it. But God really challenged us to make sure that we were giving toward other churches. So what, that, what does that mean? Six to nine percent of every dollar you give goes back out to support somebody else's church and support the mission of God. All right, let's move forward. We also spent, it was a little bit under this, but we spent a little under $11,000 in counseling. Can we thank God for our church that cares about your mental and emotional health? So what that means is we met with some of you and realized there's something traumatic in your life. And so we were able to provide counseling for you. And, um, and we're grateful for that, man. $11,000 in counseling. Number one, that says we need the help, right, emotionally. But that also says, man, praise God that the church provides in that way. All right, keep moving. Hardship fund. You'll notice that this number is lower than last year. We gave away $4,600. The reason it's lower is because um, we put a pause on the hardship fund because as we were, you know, we, we were able to help people with their, um, with their bills, with their, their rent, their mortgage. We were, we were able to help people buy groceries, but then there became a point when we 
were not meeting our financial responsibilities that the church came into the hardship. So we were like, redirect those resources. Let's fill out an application and, and get it approved and go ahead and, and get. So um, $4,600 is what we gave out simply because we paused. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so here's our goal for 2023. Just every year I do this, I say, hey, man, here's what we're hoping to bring in. Again, notice that it's only a little bit over a million. I, I said that only like it's not a lot. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I mean, it's, it's not a lot compared to what it was last year. And the reason is because we've taken 850000 which is what we're bringing in this year, and we're saying, um, let's add 30% to that. And based on growth that we'll see this year, and that's what we're hoping to bring in. So listen, we don't have a choice, by the way, if, if we can meet that. We have to meet that. And it's a piece of cake for God's people. Amen. Hello? This is why Acts 19 blows my mind, because they wasn't struggling going, oh my God, we're not going to be able to you know, pay rent. No, they, they paid rent and they preached the gospel. Lives got saved. So we're hoping that you guys would, would buy into this, um, this projected income. A little bit over a million. Hallelujah. Come on now. Come on now. We're going to pass that. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Here's the strategy we have. Consider this with me. Y'all, my, my old boss used to say, love every idea for the first five minutes. And so just for a few minutes, just act like, like this is great. Right? All right. So here it is. We're, we're, we're presenting something to you guys. It's a strategy for us to be able to meet our goal this year. And it's called 23 and 23. It has nothing to do with Michael Jordan. Y'all know why I stand on this. We good. But 23 and 23, one of the 23s represents 2023. The other 23 means that we um, did not meet our budget by 23%. How do we meet our budget in 2023? If every single person in the church gave 23% more than what they're giving. So that doesn't mean that you got to give 23% of your budget. That means if you gave $10, give 23% more and it comes out to $12.30. That means if you gave $25, it comes out to $30.75. That means if you give, they can just put them all up. If you give $100, oh, you went too fast. <laughs> back up. All right. Back up, back up. There we go. Get to the thousand and stop. But if you give $100, we would ask that you just stretch $23 more. That's all we're, that's all we're asking. And then finally, if, you, if your resources allow you to give $1,000, then that would stretch you to 12, uh, $1,230. And, and let me just say, like, I am so confident that God is going to, we're going to end the year with a surplus, like we've done every year. I believe that we're going to be able to do that because God is going to provide through you. All right, so 23 and 23, you'll be hearing more about this. There'll be a button on our push pay, which is where you guys give, that you'll be able to push the button and it's automatically going to calculate it for you. You ain't got to do the math. We got you. All right. All right, I'm, I'm landing the plane here. Uh, I just want to quickly mention this, other financial opportunities. Uh, we, have, we did some comparisons with PushPay, so we looked at other churches our size. If you could put all these up for me, guys. All right. So last month, we had 88 people that were re reoccurring givers. That means that when you give, you've selected the button for it to just be reoccurring. You, you don't think about it, right? And an average church our size, in comparison, um, the average is 36 people. So that means we have a lot of people, and I think it's because y'all are young and techie. Um, I'm serious, but you guys just select it and keep moving. Here's the opportunity we have with reoccurring givers, though. You know, if we're not careful, we'll allow our reoccurring gift to be a bill. So you know you set up your bill payments, but that's not how God ever intended for 
giving to be. This is why he says God loves a cheerful giver because he wants your attitude. He wants you to know what you're giving. And if all year long you just hit the reoccurring button and you don't look at it, praise God that you're able to do that. But I would ask you to click it and think in your mind, am I giving sacrificially? There's a, there's, a, there's a passage in the Old Testament where David was about to perform a sacrifice and he went to a piece of land and the person knew who David was and he, and, and he said, can I perform the sacrifice here? And, and, the, and, the, and the owner of the land said, sure, here, here it is for free. Here's what David says. I can't take it for free because I refuse to give to the Lord something that costs me nothing. That's what David said. David wanted it to be sacrificial. So when we just click reoccurring, if we're not careful, that reoccurring gift will be a bill. But this isn't, net, this isn't your Netflix bill. This isn't, this isn't your cell phone bill. This is the kingdom of God. And we always should be thinking, am I being stretched to the max? Not be ignorant or stupid over your resources. Like, be careful. Don't give all your money away. But I do think we have to give to where, to where, uh, to where we feel it. All right, average digital gift in our church is 158. Here's the area of opportunity. A church our size by average is 178. That means we can do more. That, that's all that means. All right, let's move on. I think I'm almost done here. All right, quickly, I just want to read this and I'll end. I'll pray and then the worship team, y'all can come back up. Uh, Mark chapter four. This is, what, this is what Jesus says. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man that scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts. And it grows. And though he does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces the grain. First the stalk, says then the head, then the full kernel of the head. And as soon as the grain has, is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. So in other words, when we talk about growing churches, we have to understand that yes, growth comes from God, which means the farmer did not know anything about what was happening under the soil. That's God's work. But you know what the farmer had to do? There is divine work that God does, and then there's human participation. He had to till the land. He had to make sure the seed was planted. He had to come and water it. And so basically what you see happening is we have to participate in what it is God is doing. Yeah, growth happens by the Lord. Some of y'all, not all of y'all are in here right now purely based on God moving on your heart. But don't get it twisted. It's because there are people in here that swept this morning and there are people that dusted and there, there, there are people that got the light. Shout out to Ayana, by the way. I don't know if she's up here. She's been here all week readjusting the lights and, you know, they, they, but that, that's, that's, we're trying to make an atmosphere that is conducive for worship. Is this all right, y'all? Worship team, y'all come on up. I'm going to pray. This was long, y'all. I'm sorry. Thank you. Father, I thank you, oh God, for the work that you're doing at Epiphany Church. It is, it's crazy, Lord. This is, this is nothing but you. And so, Lord, we submit. We submit ourselves to you. All this vision that we've laid out, all these areas of opportunity. Father, would you, would you work on them? Would you do something miraculous? May we see Acts 19 happen. May we see verse 10 happen. Every resident heard the word of the Lord. Pray, oh God, that you would save people this year. And that, that the people in this room would grow up to be leaders and deacons and elders and teachers and lay workers and hospitality, a welcome team. And sound like, Lord, supply the need of the body. And we know you can do it, oh God, because you've done it in the past year. So we thank you. We honor you. We trust you. And we pray, oh God, that you would build your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.